0: Hi, I'm Connor Byrne, and this is That's What I Call Marketing, a podcast where you will hear from the leading lights in the marketing world and listen to their unique insights. Today, I'm joined by Mary Rose Lines, a future focused marketer with a passion for technology and innovation, particularly in the area of generative AI for marketing. Mary Rose is the founder of BrightSpark Consultancy, where she leverages her expertise to help businesses thrive in the digital landscape. And now Mary has created the AI Institute, which is where you can go and take one of her courses in AI. I recently completed one of Mary's courses, and it really is a great way to get started on all things AI. And today we talk about all things AI. The use case for AI in marketing, the benefits to you as a marketer, And we also talk about some of the criticisms of AI, like what it stop us thinking. Is it a risk to creativity? And we get into ethics and diversity. Don't forget to subscribe to That's What I Call Marketing wherever you are listening or watching. If you enjoy the show, please leave a rating. And if you'd like to get involved with the show, get in touch with us about sponsorship, partnership, opportunities. And as always, if we can help you with your growth through marketing, visit that's what i call and see how we can help. Miros thanks a million for joining me on that's what i call marketing. Great to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. Well listen, we'll we get started and i i had to have you here as a guest because i have done one of your courses and we're going to talk more about the courses you offer um, in ai but just give us a bit of background uh of yourself. You've been Brightspark Consultancy for over 20 years. Yes, yes, it's 20 and a half. Um, Who's counting? I,
1: yeah, I, I kind of describe myself as the, the OG of digital marketing because um, I've literally been doing digital marketing since 1999 when it was invented. Um, I kind of, uh, I was living in Sydney at the time and okay. I worked, a uh, doing working for a BMP, Parabak, mm. and they were rebranding and they needed someone to um, look after the rebrand in Australia, which fell on my shoulders. And I got to work on the website and they didn't care about the website at all. It was 1999. So as soon as that website went live, I took myself around to all the recruitment consultants in Sydney going, G'day, I'm a marketer and I've done a website, so I'm a website marketer. And they were like, whoa, this is a thing. So that's how I got into it. Me and this other woman were like the in-demand website marketers and and we were like bandied around all these different um, banking. Uh, websites and so on. So we were literally, it was like early UX kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. we were kind of making up the stuff as we went along. Um, And then I came home to us to Ireland and I just went, okay, I I don't think I'll have the freedom to do what I want to do working for others. So I set up BrightSpark and um,
0: been no looking back since. That's amazing. And you've just kind of then evolved, I guess, as the digital landscape has evolved, you've kind of moved yeah, with it and a lot of learning in in that. I would say that's what I
1: thrive on. I'm a, I'm right. a, always learning kind of a thing. Yeah, like when I started with Brightspark first, like I was like my my core services were things like um, email marketing, uh, Google Ads, which was new, and SEO. And like I spent about three years trying to make the case to people that you actually needed to market your website. You couldn't just yeah. build a website and get get rich overnight. You know that was so as as I was ahead there in that case. And um, I suppose I've seen the kind of I saw social media come along and I remember actually like faking an account so I could get into Bebo because Bebo came to Ireland before Facebook. Um, And yeah, so I've just kind of ridden, ridden along with it. Um, I love, I love, um, I love apps and I love tools and I love being able to tell like okay something's coming this thing is going to stick so you can imagine on the 30th of November 2022 when ChatGPT came along i was i was whimpering with excitement because this is just speaks straight into my passion which is uh you know tech and early adoption and and absolute profound change for the way we do business how
0: do you how do you spot the things that you think are going to stick because there's a lot of things that just yeah. don't. And you've mentioned one and, you know, something my like MySpace that, that didn't yeah. last. They were around for a while and relevant, but how do you, do you have a knack of spotting the things that might stick and then the ones? I one know the, sounds really stupid, but I just feel it. <laughs> I know that's that. When you've been doing it as
1: long yeah. as I have, no, no, I no, like no, kind yeah, of like, yeah. well, I, I read, I listen, I consume mm. voraciously. So, um I think, you know, there's, maybe there's a lot of people like me out there, but see, the difference is that you kind of have to have the ballsiness to go around and tell your clients, actually, you know, that thing you've been doing for ages and you've built 65,000 fans on Facebook. Well, they're not really going to work for you that much anymore. You need to be doing Instagram. Not a lot of people have that kind of maybe uh, confidence to do that and they'll keep doing the same thing. Um, whereas I'd be kind of going into clients going, right, you know, Facebook, you can forget about that. And. Sometimes it doesn't land very well um, and sometimes it does. And then we just go with it and get that kind of first mover advantage because you know yourself, there's a massive first mover advantage when you're using any of the platforms, new features or any new platforms at all.
0: Yeah. And I I mean, I guess one of the things and you certainly hear it and see it is, you know, often maybe a bit of criticism of the next new shiny thing and marketers particularly get a a bad rap sometimes. You know, I think earlier in the year in July Mark Ritson put a comment about, you know, you know like cats chasing pieces of wool or something. You know, it was, I, it was that context yeah. of like, we're yeah. just, oh, oh, next shiny new thing. Yeah.
1: So, you know, there's a lot of next shiny new things going on, let's say, in the gen AI space at the moment. And I look at something like everyone's talking about runway. It's a text to video tool. And I look at that and I go, okay, as a marketer, how would I want to use this in my business? Yeah. What are the needs I have? And then I come to the tool and I look and see, can the tool satisfy my needs? And as marketers, we need to know, you know, A, that ChatGPT isn't the only show in town. And we need to know, like, how to hop around, where to go to get the things we
0: need to get our stuff done. Yeah. And I'll, look, I and I have a perspective on it, which is I, I think marketers, particularly client-side like marketers are, you know, can be often overwhelmed and incredibly busy with things. And actually having agencies or or consultancy partners or people who actually can help cut through and do what you do and kind of say actually we've done a bit of this we don't think runaway is right but actually here's the thing that is i think that's the value of the the marketing ecosystem as a whole and and that's where you know i think let's say agencies and the like of yourself yeah huge role because you know it shortcuts the things when you're, you're being on client side you know there's a thousand things that have to go on and then if you're yeah. coming and running and saying oh we should try runway someone's going to be like just go away
1: yeah yeah exactly well they'll know but i think that this is what i love like about the
0: the ai tools let's get into ai in marketing like it's a huge topic it has been a huge topic all through yeah. 2023 and now as we're in 24 it's going to continue it ain't going uh, away <laughs> it ain't going away it ain't going away Oops. so what are you seeing as kind of the I guess you've, you've touched on it there, but what are kind of some of the key benefits for marketers to start to get their head around AI if they haven't already?
1: Okay. Um, I think the main benefit, okay, a lot of people start at the point of time saved on content creation. Okay. okay. But I think that if you think of the, like say the marketing uh, process, before we go into content creation, we have research and ideation. You know, even right down to that blank sheet of paper of what are the services that we offer? How do we segment our market? You know, what's going on in the category? And we can use the AI to really help us to identify new category needs, unmet unmet first needs of customers, all of this kind of stuff, which let's face it, we tend to do that at the start of a client account and then we kind yeah, of don't. So that's one thing we could do. So then you can use it, obviously, on content creation. It can save you an awful lot of time. But then the other thing, this is the real, like one of the real values I I see all the time is we know in theory that if you have a really good piece of high-performing content, if you repurpose and repackage that content, you know it's going to work. And it's a very low-cost way of getting, you know, getting more content out that, you know, is going to perform. We can do that so easily, like a couple of, you know, buttons you have to press. And then suddenly, you know, that podcast that you've done, Connor, your top performing one for the first six months of this year, that can turn into something else, it can turn into, um, you know, snippets for TikTok, YouTube, YouTube shorts, um, you get the best of, make it into a long form post, you know, there's so much you can do with it. Um, so it's about kind of doing better at quality at the start, saving time in the middle and then getting better value from that, which is good
0: right great so much in there how do you where do people like where do you start (laughs) well where you start is just just start
1: um i would strongly recommend anyone who's listening just spend the money and get chat tpt4 okay the paid version it's 23 euros a month and as i'm always saying you know when you think of how much we pay without even you know, breaking the sweat for social media tools like Hootsuite and the like, you know, $79 and $100. So, you know, don't be crippling about 23 euros. And um, so get the paid version of the tool and just start. And what I'm sort of advocating, and I'm actually going to do this myself in the in the coming weeks, is, you know, if you like, when you come into work in the morning, you know, and you open your email, open ChatGPT. And it's a kind of a thing you need to almost build that neural pathway in your brain that before you just, Mindlessly start on a task, think to yourself, how can I use AI to do this for me? So, one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to make a list of the 100 tasks that I performed in the last month. And I'm going to literally look at it and try and break it down. Which ones should I not be doing? Which ones should AI be doing? Which ones should I outsource to my VA? And which ones should I do myself? So, the ones I do myself are going to be the high value. Uh, high high performance ones that need my humanity. The rest of them I'm going to just AI or outsource.
0: And you've just you've touched on something there that I think is a big topic around AI which is are we are we risking kind of losing the ability to use certain parts of our brain by getting AI to do things?
1: No. I disagree with that. I'll tell you why. Most of the amazing value that we get from using AI is on killing those boring repetitive tasks. We no longer have to do them. So that's actually freeing up our brains to do better quality work. Now, boring repetitive tasks occur in every single role, but as a marketer, you know, we have a lot of boring repetitive tasks that we have to do. And, you know, everyone's job is different, but we need to actually just stop doing them because we don't have to do them anymore and free up your brain to do better quality work. Now, the thing is, you know, with time, jobs that are filled with just boring, repetitive tasks are going to go away. So if you're in one of those jobs and you're listening, now is the time to start using AI to basically automate your way Forward and elevate your role so that you're doing better quality work. And then for people who are already doing great quality work, you can use AI to, you know, to question you, to help you on planning, and to produce better quality work. So it's a win-win.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, I mean, touched on a number of things. I think that idea of seeing where it's going and actually being able to get in early and say, actually, here's here's where I can add actually add value, not take away, but it might take away certain pieces. Yeah. But
1: if I was hiring, if I was like, as anyone's listening there and they're like, they're going to be hiring people in 2024. One of the questions I'd be asking at interview would be, how have you used AI in your current role? Have you set up any GPTs yet? Because you want those kind of people coming into your team because they're, they're, you know, open to using the technology. And of course, like you need to use it responsibly. Um, and that's the responsibility of the organization to have the conversation about, are we going to use it or are we not? I would hope they'd go with the, yes, we are. Yeah. If we are going to use it, we're going to be transparent about it. We're going to let our internal and external audiences know. We're going to have a list of, these are the tools that we use. We don't use tools outside of this set. And then we're going to train our staff to use them properly. So that's the way, as an organization, we kind of bring in AI. And then you just like you know give a bit of training to your people and then see what they produce. Yeah, and, and thinking of companies that I've 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 gone in house with, and you know there's no looking back. And I I get these really? spontaneous emails from them going, oh my god, we just did this and it took us this much time and it's brilliant. So you know it does work.
0: Yeah, I mean everyone's busy, right? And there's busy and busyness. You know there's a difference, I guess. But it's if you can free up time to do other more impactful thinking work and. One of the other things that I think about thinking, and it's a misconception I think about um, AI tools is like you you have to put thinking into the prompts yeah. as well. Right. You can't just go do this.
1: Yeah. Well, as I said, I think you would have heard me in the course in the saying, you know, it's like this kind of a thing of a, a human sandwich. You know, I have to try and come up with a better allegory yes. actually. I've been using this human sandwich all year. Okay. So the human sandwich. And um, is where, you know, you have to have this kind of, our creativity goes in the start in the prompt. Mm-hmm. Okay. What are we asking us to do? Oh, throw in this. Make sure you put in this. So our humanity and our knowledge of what we're about does that start bit. The AI does the big bit in the middle. And then the bit at the end, as I always say, is that what your first output from whatever tool you're using, cloud, bing, Bard, whatever, catty, It took me about 80% of the way there. If you've done a good prompt, it will be 80% of the way there. And then you're going to look at it and you're going to add a little bit of finessing that's uniquely yours. Yeah. And then you're going to put it out. And that's how you get good output. But if you come along, as a lot of people, a lot of agency friends of mine were coming to me at the start of this year going, I put it in, write a blog post about And I was like, and you got something crap, didn't you? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, but, you know, if you put crap in, you get crap out. But yeah. if you did a prompt, for example, that had, um, you know, you you primed it, like you have to give it context. You prime it on the kind of maybe the persona you're writing for. You prime it on the kind of the strategic reaction that you're going after. Then you put in your prompt, going to something yeah. really good at. You.
0: So chat GPT is, is one of the tools, probably the best known and as yeah. you say, great place to start. Um, and I guess if someone is starting in chat GPT and if, they, you know, haven't yet done one of your courses, are there places they can go to help kind of learn how to maybe get started How do people get started? Well, as I say you know get started start using
1: something if you uh, if you don't have budget you know you can use um, you can get access to chat GPT4 for, for free through Bing so right. you get Bing on the edge uh, browser. And Mac users, don't worry, you can download the Edge browser. I used to always sit there with my arms crossed going, I'm a Mac user. But you can just (laughs) easily download the Edge browser. and There you go, it's there. So that's kind of a good place. So like you can get it for free. You know, the only difference between the free GPT you're using on Bing and then pays GPT-4 is that GPT-4 allows you to upload documents and Mm, analyze. And it can read things you've scribbled on a piece of paper and can do all sorts of cool things.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, that I've started to use the um, upload and analyze, and it's it's what did you use it for? Um, just some projects, and I find it just um, actually what it did for me was when I read the documents, I had my own perspective, and then I used ChatGPT, put in some prompts, and then it helped me pull out some other things I hadn't spotted, which was just brilliant. Like it was. So it didn't nest, I don't know if it shortcutted. It just kind of validated and and added. Uh, and so it's like the upload is a great, great, great feature. I've started to see like AI turning up in in lots of things. Like you know, I use Descript and AI is there. Oh, Descript's use, great. Yeah, yeah. I use Miro and AI yeah. isn't there. Like it's it's everywhere and it's, I you know, it's not as we've said before. It's not it's not going away. And as you see it in those tools, um, it seems quite intuitive, maybe slightly more so than uh, ChatGPT. We talked about the prompts. Like for Descript, yeah. for example, you can say, create a show summary. Now, actually, it's not, sorry, people in script, I love your product, but it's not brilliant at the show uh, summary. Um, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly, that's the thing. But the prompts there probably aren't as strong. So it's more of a, it's more of a feature, I think, at the moment.
1: Yeah, like I think the landscape is changing all of Mm. the time. Um, And, you know, other shout outs to other tools that have built AI in would be, for example, like Notion. Anyone uses that. Um, Intercom, um, Zapier, any of these kind of, they all have, like, you you know, you have to have an AI element. Where I kind of think it might be going is um, with the launch of ChatGPT Enterprise, which is their enterprise offering, uh, it comes with a hefty price tag and the it, the promise of enterprise is that um, your data is safe and encrypted and will not be used for training the model. So the idea is that if you're a large corporate, you can get mm-hmm. onto ChatGPT Enterprise, you can also be using ChatGPT on your own internal documents and you can give people different levels of access and so on. So on one hand, you're going to have a world where the large corporates will all be on their different enterprise big big blocks think of big buildings okay within um, individuals use then as well you've got things like Copilot have come out which is like Microsoft offer which is where as you're going about your business doing your general things on Word and Excel and so on you've got Copilot to support you based on your own individual documents emails and so on so you'll have that world so the world where we kind of leave the big building and go out into ChatGPT itself, or we go out into Claude or whenever, I don't know, will they still exist or will it all kind of become the same? Because at the moment, I'll tell you, what's going on at the moment is there is a massive land grab going on. All All of the big tech companies want to own the space. Yeah back or you know back around in November time um they got the Biden administration to bring out this executive order which is supposed to be to be like protecting the people actually Mm -hmm. it was to try and put up walls so that sort of a more startup-y type of um uh AI companies can't break in so the big guy they're already trying to to own the space so if they had their way um You know, there might be just one video tool. There might be just one image creator tool, or maybe not. So at the moment, it's a wild west of lots of things.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. Things like so, data is certainly a thing that people are concerned about. You know, when I or somebody puts stuff into ChatGPT, like where does that end up? That's a a concern people have. Well, the first thing
1: um, I take people through on week one of my course is. Understanding, apart from understanding, here is the the landscape of all the different places. And you kind of go to different, different LLMs, the models, large language models. You go to different ones for different kind of, I suppose, use cases. But then the second thing is then to look at how you settle your chat GPT. So how you use your kind of custom instructions so that your experience will be very different to mine. Mm-hmm. And then we do another one, which would be around um, looking at how our data is used. So knowing that if I'm in this particular part of ChatGPT, my data can be taken and put out into the model. However, if I flick the switch in custom instructions or in settings, I I can turn off that. And where that, what happens if you put some data out? How can you retrieve it and take it Mm. out of the model? So these are things that we as humans need to know. Um, And then once you know them, just go out into the world and use them safely.
0: Yeah. And... We've touched on ethics a bit, but I certainly think that has come up as a huge topic, just generally. um, Yeah, and you know, I'm glad of that. Yeah. Okay. In what
1: way? My take on it is, I think, you know, I as I mentioned at the start, okay, so I was involved in social media from the start. So around say 2007, and I look back and feel a little bit guilty that I was involved because, um, from 2007 until 2018, when Cambridge Analytica scandal broke yeah you know, our data was being stolen from us. Our data was stolen, it was sold. It made some people very, very rich on the back of our information. And then now we have this awareness. and the really good thing is that that experience of Web 2.0 and how how the kind of social media companies treated us, we're coming into this next stage with AI, and we're being very, very mature. And we're asking a lot of questions. So when you think about it, this is the first full year of AI is here. And people are asking me, you know, how can I be sure my data's safe? They're thinking about privacy, they're thinking about diversity and ethics. And I think that's brilliant. It's the one kind of good thing that's come out of that experience from before. We're not gonna let that happen to us again. But the only problem I think is that I fear is that, you know, in terms of the pace that this is going at, yeah. and we kind of need, like, when you think of the institutions that we would rely on in the past to look after us as, as citizens, we have, you know, the tech companies themselves. Well, I wouldn't be relying on them. And then we also have, there's, there's gone as any kind of uh, job or consultancy in with them. But then we also have our governments. And, you know, our governments, by their very nature, need to be kind of consultative. Um, and, and listen to all the different opinions and they move quite slowly. They're not mm-hmm. as agile as we need them to be. So my, my only fear is that the pace is going so fast and we don't have an institution. We don't even have the United Nations of mm-hmm. AI and we have no body that's, that's there to protect us. So I've heard of a couple of organizations recently who are, you know, in a good position to be independent arbitrators. Or or guides, and I only hope that they can get their kind of get get out there and 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 achieve the kind of safeguarding that I think needs to happen. I don't think banning it is going to be a thing. I don't think yeah. it's going to ha- it's going to work at all. But the fact that the people are going okay, I'm mindful of this. We need an umbrella organisation to come out and say, right, this is this is how it's going to be.
0: Yeah, and look, look again. Remember when the. Internet and all that was called the Wild West. thing social media was often. Turns out, social probably was, but um, yeah. You, know, do you, do you say they they started. Yeah, that? you kind of say so. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but also, there's a you know the question around, I guess, ethics, but also like the the coding and and the development of these tools. Like, is there enough diversity in in that that gives? The tools, the perspective they need.
1: When you look at the way that the models have been trained, when you look at something like if you go into an image creation tool and you put in successful business person, you know, you're going to get someone who looks more like you than like mm-hmm. me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that's all you're going to get. So we we don't want to just accept that's you. So yeah. what I ask everybody to do is to go into their custom instructions in ChatGPT and in the second box where it says, how would you like us to answer you? To write down, it is a requirement that I always get a diverse perspective in your answers. Right. And that is, you can do it one person at a time. Now, it's not a huge thing, um, but it's a step. So it's just, you're asking for your experience at ChatGPT to always have, I always say in mine, uh, creative and diverse, diverse uh, diversity. So you're, you're always, you're pushing the model to kind of dig deeper into itself to give you what you want. So. What a little tiny step you can take. But,
0: uh, but I guess onto that, like, where is it digging deeper to get that if the people who are have developed it are not from diverse backgrounds and also access? Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, it's got, like, a large bank of information, I suppose. You need to just, like, keep on telling it, like, this is not good enough when I say diverse, I require this. Now, one of the things I find in the image creation tools, for example, is that when you put in, like you're looking for diversity, it immediately gives you full hijab. It's like, no, it's not. want something that's kind of like okay. not the extreme, but just like not all white. Um, so you have to kind of train the models as to what you want, um, but being aware of it. And again, you know, having this conversation is, is maturity. You know, we're, we're aware of the failings and yeah. we're trying to go about, you know, overcoming them one, one step at a time.
0: Yeah. Excuse me. And look, I think that's yeah, it's a good point. At least you know, at, at this point that people are having the conversation, and kind of going, "I know this needs to be better and different." One of the things I know we've talked about, and, and we talked about it before, actually, where we 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 were talking about kind of the way social media came about and companies trying to get their heads around it. And I remember at the time I wrote kind of a. A guide for O2, This is going way back. Customer care team on how they should use t- Twitter as a customer care tool, right? And so that, like, that goes right, way breaking back. Yeah, was breaking. Yeah, it was though. So, um, and you know, you've you've touched on it here. Is like, yes, that was happening, but the pace of this is happening so so fast. You're in a lot of companies and organizations helping them with some of the the training, but also the guardrails around. Well, how do how do we use this? So again someone listening to this today in a marketing department going, okay, how do I start thinking about guardrails, ethics, use cases, permissions, etc.?
1: Well, I think that stop thinking about it and just start doing it really. Like, you know, the resources are there on my website. I've got a free AI policy template. I just want anyone to take it. So take that, go back to your team meeting and say, right, if we're going to start using it, what will we start with? And Have the conversations internally about the different, um, the different elements that I have in that policy template. Just start doing it. But I think what you touched on there, like on the kind of pace of change, um, I have had, um, I've delivered three refresher trainings. So people who took my courses at the start of this year or at the start of 2023 uh, came back to me in around October and November saying I know it's really changed can you come in and do a refresher wow. and they were right it has really changed because like my slide decks for my courses has changed literally week on week and the thing I got off on I love the fact that in week four I cover things that hadn't actually come out in week one if they're relevant for the use case which is marketers
0: wow. so,
1: so that's the pace it's going at and you know I think that if you're, if you're stressing and you're fretting about, you know, if, if AI is just one of these things at the back of your mind that you kind of sometimes think about and you're like, I really need to get on top of that. Kind of like updating your LinkedIn profile. A lot of people had that kind of feeling. I really must get around to it. If it's one of those kind of stressors, you can actually relieve the stress by just actually opening an account and opening it at the same time as you open your email and just doing it. That's it. Right. It's just, it's a practice thing. You've
0: talked about the, um, the AI Institute. Tell me, tell me about that.
1: Yeah, well, I just created it because I have been doing my AI for marketing courses all year and, and they've been flying it. And then it's not just marketing people doing them. It's also kind of business owners, switched on business owners. And then it kind of spread to being, I did this one called the uh, AI. This is what you did, the AI for self-employed. Or the AI non-technical people. You don't have to be technical. So kind of spread. And I just kind of feel, you know, the feeling thing again, mm-hmm. that it's moving beyond the early adopters and it's moving out into the kind of the the, the masser market, let's say. And I just feel that there's a lot of kind of academic type of courses around, which let's just say their curriculum wouldn't be updating as fast. Right. And then there's a lot of low cost ones which are kind of great, kind of, they're not really consistently good quality. And I just felt that there was an actual, there's a need for people to get ethical, really good, practical, put your fingers on the keyboard, come away with a smile kind of training. Mm -hmm. So I've got him to put together a course. And it's like, it's four weeks where the first week you're looking at what is unstructured data, you know, what's the new Gen AI tech stack look like? The second week he helps you identify potential use cases in your own business and then third week fourth week and you come away and you've got this kind of framework and a plan so it's all very much around fingers on the keyboard you get the recording and then you can kind of go back step by step and do it at your own pace as well
0: but Recordings and and the decks like that happened me you know with one or two bits because I was I I think I was still still trying to figure out the bit before like, yeah. everyone else has moved on it's very very practical as you say it is on you know hands on the keyboards and I'm not trying to do it there's no uh, smartless code here as I said before with <laughs> like you know Connor ten and you'll get ten percent off the course but no it is very practical and it you do walk away going actually I can use. I can do things, I can use things and, you know, it can kind of create yeah. a, a culture of of using these tools and, you know, there's a fear. That's, what, that's a fear. what kind of
1: happens in practice. Like where, like I've had this a lot where somebody comes along from a company, like a larger company to one of my courses and then they go back and they go, this is amazing. We need to do this. Yeah. And they then bring me in to kind of train up their whole Everybody. team. Yeah. Yeah. And then the team are all doing it. And then they kind of come back and I like do a session for the wider company on the kind of more ethical kind of the safety standards kind of thing. That's how we do it. Yeah. Um, and uh, as I say, like, you know, if there's one thing you do if you're, after listening today, it's like, stop thinking about it and
0: just start doing it. Mary thanks a million for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. And as Mary mentioned, she has her courses starting in just over a week. So if you want to get stuck into AI in 2024, check out our courses, or you can just try out chat GPT and play around with it. That's it for today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to That's What I Call Marketing, wherever you are listening or watching. And if you would like to get involved with the show through sponsorship or partnerships, get in touch with us. And of course, if we can help you with your growth through marketing, visit That's What I Call Marketing and see how we can help.